welcome to the Headache Doctor podcast. This is episode number 10, and we are going to discuss the difference between a headache and a migraine. I'm Dr. Taves, and it is my mission to empower everyone with headaches and migraines to break free from a life of fear and dependence and thrive in everything you do. This is probably one of the more common questions that is floating around there on the internet. People are searching for diagnosis, and that's very common in our Western medicine model is people want to know what their diagnosis is. The diagnosis is very important. Um, I I would venture to say that maybe in other cultures, um, they don't put as much weight on the diagnosis. Maybe uh, in Western medicine, we have our our imaging, our our big, fancy, expensive uh, technology that does do a good job of of getting to the... um, correct diagnosis. And so we, we really do put a lot of value on, on a diagnosis. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing because the diagnosis is going to determine what our intervention looks like. And that's the important thing. The diagnosis is kind of the gateway into what will allow you to get better. What's the treatment approach going to be? How is the medical doctor uh, or whatever provider you're seeing, how are they going to treat you as a patient? Um, Are you going to receive medication? Are you going to get a referral to see a specialist? Um, Are they going to tell you to just do some stretches at home? There's all different avenues that a patient with headaches or migraines can go down, and it starts with that diagnosis. And so getting the diagnosis right is key. We, and as I said earlier, we put a heavier emphasis on that in Western medicine, and I'll kind of get into why that can be a problem in a minute, but in this specific episode, we're going to talk about the difference between a headache and a migraine. Now, when I talk about the difference between a headache and a migraine, what I'm going to do is talk about what the um, the medical journals would say, or the International Classification of Headache Disorders is this compilation of all thing headaches and migraines, all the, the diagnoses that you can receive as a patient are summed up in what's called the ICHD-3. So this is the the latest uh, evidence-based diagnosis outline for providers to look at when a patient comes to them with head or facial pain. How do you diagnose and then treat that patient? So I'm going to outline migraine and then headache. And while saying headache, there's all different types of headaches. So Um, We'll go into that, but basically I'm going to distinguish between a migraine and what else you might have using this ICHD-3 classification. So first off, before we jump into the ICHD-3 classification of migraine, let's just talk about the differences from kind of a 10,000 foot view, uh, just summarize how these two are diagnosed. So how a migraine would be diagnosed, just the, the diagnosis process. So the first thing to understand is it's based on symptoms, and we'll get into that in a little bit, but there is no objective imaging or uh, lab work that is done that uh, they will collect to use to say, okay, this is the marker we found, or here's the objective sort of image finding that says you have a migraine. So that is not something that happens with headaches or migraines. Now, there are types of headaches or migraines that can be diagnosed this way, But the migraine that we're talking about is one of of two primary classifications. That's migraine with aura or migraine without aura. And that would be diagnosed 
as a primary type heading. Now, to understand this, that there's a primary and a secondary type headache. Now, a primary headache basically says that there's not a secondary disorder causing the headache. To give you an example of a secondary disorder, um, this would be classified as a car accident, some, some sort of head or neck trauma, um, a vascular problem, let's say you had a stroke or uh, internal uh, brain bleed, um, let's say you had some sort of like infection or virus that caused inflammation in uh, different tissues within the brain. So those things would be a secondary headache. So a primary headache in what we're looking at a migraine as and what we're classifying migraine as is basically saying that the migraine uh, is not stemming from a secondary disorder. So there's not a there's not something that will pop up on imaging or in blood work that would have been the primary cause of the migraine. And that's basically what they're saying is it's a migraine because we can't find something else that's causing it. And therefore, it's classified as a primary headache. Now, typically, this diagnosis will be provided to the patient in a primary care office or a neurologist uh, or a pain management doctor, something like that. I would say most of the time it's in a primary care doctor's office where uh, they will provide them with a diagnosis and if it's totally outside their comfort level, they'll uh, refer right away without providing them with a diagnosis. And then sometimes that diagnosis can change as they go from provider to provider. And uh, the other thing that can happen is the patient will Google or research what their symptoms are. And the thing that kind of trumps the other symptoms that they may not have is just this intense pain. So if you're someone that presents with intense headache, then you you might classify that as a migraine because it's culturally acceptable to miss work or miss social outings or uh, have to just stay in bed all day when you have a migraine. But if you just say, oh, I had a bad headache, people kind of look at you funny and say, well, if you had a bad headache, why why do you have to call in sick? And so oftentimes there's this kind of social pull to just classify yourself as having migraines when based on the ICHD standards, you might not actually have a migraine. Now, I'll, I'll just go on a little tangent and say that I personally, not that I, not that I don't care about the diagnosis, but I'll get into why this diagnosis process is uh, needing a little bit of improvement and why I'm okay with someone call it, classifying their migraine as a migraine because of this sort of social acceptance of, oh, you, you have a migraine, so that makes sense. Migraines are debilitating, headaches are less so. Everyone gets headaches, not everyone gets migraines. Um, and so if you're at home and you're like, man, I just, I, like, this is terrible, then I would say by all means, tell people or classify yourself as, as having a migraine because that debilitating pain is one of the primary symptoms of a migraine. Um, but then listen to the rest of this podcast and we'll try to figure out if there's a if there's a proper or a more proper diagnosis for you, and then the the thing that matters the most because again I'll continue on my tangent, but I am less concerned of what your diagnosis is. I've actually had people come in and they will um, email or call the office and basically want to exclude themselves from what I do working at all based off of a diagnosis they got. And remember, that diagnosis is not necessarily based on anything objective. So in my mind, I can't, I can't base my treatment off of a diagnosis 
that they received unless I do my own evaluation and, and assessment of their upper cervical spine of their neck um, to see if it if it isn't actually a neck problem. And so the diagnosis, I think, can be a barrier for people finding the proper treatment that they need. And so what's important is the treatment and how you are going to get better. But for the sake of this conversation, we'll um, talk semantics of what the diagnosis process looks like. So here we go. Let's jump into what a migraine is classified as. So I'm just going to read straight off of what the uh, International Classification of Headache Disorders states a migraine as. It says a recurrent headache disorder manifesting in attacks lasting 4 to 72 hours. Typically, characteristics of the headache are unilateral location, pulsating quality, moderate to severe intensity, aggravating, aggravated by routine physical activity, and associated with nausea or photophobia or phonophobia. So that's light or sound sensitivity that a lot of people have. So, and then it lists uh, five bullet points here. It says at least five attacks fulfilling criteria B through D. So B through D are headache attacks lasting four to 72 hours. C is headaches uh, has a at least two of the following, two of the four characteristics. So if your headache has a unilateral location, so one side of the head hurts, pulsating quality, so that, that pounding, throbbing uh, type of pain, moderate to severe pain intensity, so this is uh, severe, it's not just a dull headache, this is, this is uh, something that's uh, interrupting your day, and then aggravation by or causing avoidance of routine physical activity, so basically it's interrupting your, your normal uh, flow of life, and this is specifically talking about um, activity, anything that would raise your heart rate a little bit, the migraine will keep you from doing that. And then D is during headache, at least one of the following, nausea, vomiting, photophobia, or phonophobia. So I do see um, a lot of patients with this migraine diagnosis that have met these qualifications, and I do see some that um, will say they have migraines that don't necessarily fall into these categories. Like I said, I don't it's not worth my time to educate someone into or out of that way of thinking because what's important is when I get them in front of me, I want to make sure that their neck is not the actual problem because there's a good chance that it is. And if it is, then we need to talk about solutions and the diagnosis itself isn't necessarily an issue. Now, if I'm talking to a, a medical provider, another physical therapist, I would say that it's it's important not to get caught up on the diagnosis and two, make sure that you're evaluating their neck appropriately. Now, when I say appropriately, you, you would need to listen back in the first couple episodes where I talk about the most overlooked cause of headaches and migraines because this upper cervical restriction is, is very, very common. And I would say 90, 95% of these people with headaches or migraines will have this upper cervical restriction. And this uh, referral pattern of the upper cervical spine, so of the upper part of the neck, uh, referring pain, sending pain into the head or the face, um, is is common. It's known. It's it's something that the um, this ICHD um, classification actually writes in their cervicogenic headache diagnosis in, in the details of that. So, just so I'm not talking over anyone's head, the cervicogenic headache is a headache that stems from the neck, and that's a headache that I talk about in, in my podcast. That's the, the, 
the headache that we're talking about now, that's a headache that's overlooked. That's a headache that's not understood and can present um, with the migraine symptoms and, uh, and kind of mask and present as a migraine enough so that the migraine diagnosis is provided, the patient goes down the route of medication, and the proper treatment is never actually provided. One other sort of caveat with a migraine is there's the uh, there can be the prodromal phase and the postdromal phase. Now these are characterized as hyperactivity, hypoactivity, depression, uh, cravings for particular foods, repetitive yawning, fatigue, neck stiffness. Um, usually patients just describe that as feeling like off, um, low energy, just kind of in that migraine fog. Uh, that migraine fog term is used quite a bit. So that can be uh, before and, and after the migraine actually hits. Um, so that's, that's how a migraine is classified. That's what should be happening in the primary care doctor's office or in the neurologist's office when a patient presents with, uh, with head pain, one-sided throbbing uh, associated with sensitivities to lights or sounds, and um, aggravated with uh, physical activity. All right, so there you go. Now, it's easier to just say, here's how you classify a migraine in, rather than classifying a headache because there's, there's so many different types of headaches. This, uh, again, I'll go back to how we classify them based on this ICHD. And there's, I, I actually don't know how many I should probably, it'd take a while to count, but basically if you look at migraine and under migraine, there's, there's probably... I don't know, 50 or 60 different sub-diagnoses, classifications of migraine. And then migraine with aura, migraine without aura. And then when you get into tension type headache, which is another type of primary headache, uh, again, there's there's kind of differences there. And um, one of the headaches, well, the headache that I think should be, that should come to the forefront is this cervicogenic headache. So the migraine classification is there. There's all different other types of headaches. One of the more common types of headache is this tension type headache, but there's overlap with that in what's called the cervicogenic headache. Um, but the cervicogenic headache is lesser known and the tension type headache is what most people think of. Now the tension type headache is usually classified as being on both sides of the head and it can wrap up and around and typically associated with, with stress or muscle tension in the shoulders or in the neck. Now, the reason that cervicogenic headache is closely overlapped and confused with tension type headache is because they both have an association with the neck. Now, when I'm looking through the, the official classification site of cervicogenic headache, there's a few interesting things that stand out. Now, on their site, they have the most prominent headaches listed on the left-hand side, and cervicogenic headache was not one of them, so I actually had to like search it within their site uh, to find it. And I've even worked with um, primary care doctors that this isn't on their radar. This is not something that um, they're aware of as being a problem. And so that's one of the first things is the the type of symptoms that the patient's having, where they have a one-sided pulsating pain, maybe some facial pain with that, sensitivities to lights and sounds, it's almost assumed that that's going to be a migraine. There's nothing else that can cause that. When actually a cervicogenic headache, the neck being the problem, 
can cause those symptoms. And there's a couple of things here that list that they list for diagnostic criteria. And one of them is imaging evidence. Now, I've talked about this in my uh, in the episode of why imaging matters, but basically, imaging evidence is a diagnosis criteria for cervicogenic headache. But I argue that the imaging is actually not as valuable as we think because it doesn't show how the upper part of the neck is moving. And we need to know how C1 and C2 and the head sitting on the first bone, um, how, how those joints are interacting. Because if they're locked up, if they're not moving, that can either be from an acute type injury, so something that happened weeks or months ago, or that can be from repeated trauma over years or it, it can be from a, a car accident that was year, in years past and your body's just compensated and now you're presenting with migraines. But those situations don't allow us to make this diagnosis based on the diagnostic cr- criteria that they have here. So imaging evidence is their first thing that, that should be looked at for this type of headache. But I would argue that imaging is not going to show us what we need to see. Um, the second thing is uh, they say evidence of causation demonstrated by at least two of the following. So headache has developed a temporal relation to the onset of a neck problem. So basically, if you had a neck problem and then you get a headache, so that's fair, that'll likely um, correlate. Um, Headache has significantly improved or resolved uh, in parallel with improvement or resolution of a cervical. So again, just if there's a neck problem and the neck problem was resolved and then the headache was resolved. Now this one is is interesting to me because I've I've seen dozens if not over 100 patients in the last couple of years that have come to me with a migraine diagnosis and I've found this uh, upper cervical problem, corrected the upper cervical problem and then their migraines significantly reduce or go away. And so by this classification their original diagnosis of migraine would have been wrong. And that's what, that's the point I'm trying to drive home is that the upper cervical problem is not being evaluated properly and is not being caught. Um, The third thing this talks about is cervical range of motion being reduced. And the fourth thing is headache is abolished following a blockade to a cervical, to a, to a nerve that's sending uh, the pain signal. So this third one, range of motion being reduced, that's one of the primary things that the neurologist or the primary care doctor will look for. Most of my patients can still turn their neck all the way. Again, it's just the body's really good at compensating, and that compensation is what makes it tricky to make this diagnosis properly because your body can go years, if not a decade or two, before your symptoms actually present, and then something will just kind of push you over the edge and then all of a sudden you start getting migraines or headaches. Um, and the other thing is your range of motion can look pretty good because your neck is using other joints to allow you to turn your head all the way to the right and all the way to the left and look up and down. And so it's the, it's the specifics of the upper part of the neck that are going to be causing this type of headache. So the other thing in the notes section here, it says headache caused by upper cervical radiculopathy radiculopathy has been um, considered now well understood understood convergence between the upper cervical and trigeminal nociception. So in layman's terms, the upper part of the neck, 
the upper cervical spine, the part that we've been talking about has a convergence or it meets up with the trigeminal nerve, which is a facial nerve, a head and facial nerve. And that's, that's where we're going to get a pain sensation from. So this trigeminal nerve, so think of, think of, um, when you hurt your, your temple here, if you were to, uh, hit your head, that's the trigeminal nerve sending pain into your brain. Now that same signal can be confused with the upper part of the neck. So that's what this is saying. It's saying that we're now better understanding this and that's, that's something to consider. So again, this is not as prominent as it should be, but you're start, I'm starting to find it here in, uh, in what is the standard go-to um, classification of headache publication. And that, uh, I could probably talk a lot longer on this, but hopefully that helps. So just to summarize again, a migraine is going to be classified by a one-sided, um, we call it unilateral, so one side of the head, pulsating quality, moderate to severe intensity, so it's interrupting your day, aggravated by routine physical activity, and then accompanied by nausea, vomiting, and, and sensitivities to lights or sounds, and then typically it'll last four to 72 hours. So that's a migraine. Anything else would be classified as a headache, and that's based on uh, what what the medical model would diagnose you as. But my point to drive home is that this cervicogenic headache, this other type of very, very common headache, is overlooked and is likely um, needing to be evaluated properly before we are confident that you need to continue with that medication you're taking, that there's not an actual solution to the headaches or migraines that you've been experiencing. So uh, that's episode 10, uh, the difference between a headache and a, mi and a migraine. I hope that was helpful. If you have any questions or comments, um, please reach out to us. Again, my website is noveraheadachecenter.com. And I am a physical therapist that provides treatment to patients with headaches and migraines with the primary goal of empowering people with headaches and migraines to break free from a life of fear and dependence and thrive in everything they do. And we are located right here in Colorado Springs. Uh, stay tuned next week uh, for another great episode. Thanks for listening.